you know, there, there's two different types of coaches and we're all one of them. We're either a transactional coach, which is, I would say a ma majority of coaches are transactional. Um, you know, we're, we're coaching to get something from it and get something out of it for ourselves rather than using it as an opportunity to transform lives. And so um, you can either be a transactional coach or a transformational coach. What's up, good people? Welcome to season three of the Dear Young Athlete podcast, where we talk to coaches and athletes about their journeys and what advice they would have for a younger version of themselves. I'm your host, Jacob Thompson. I am a speaker, author, recording artist, content creator, rare disease advocate, and an aspiring Paralympian. If you want to hear my story, check out Season 1, Episode 1. But enough about me. Let's meet our guest. Today, I am very excited to be joined by a very special guest. The man I'm speaking with today, he is a husband. He is a father of five. Amazing. Mm -hmm. He is a head basketball coach and athletic director and the owner of the North Star Titans AAU program. Before that, he played college basketball and he was a three-sport high school athlete. Could have played any of them in college. He'll tell you about that. Uh, but he chose basketball. But above all that, he is a man of God. He is a man of faith. I cannot wait to dive deeper into his story. So without further ado, Nate Belfi, coach, what's going on? Talk to us. How are you? I, I'm good, man. I, I appreciate being on this podcast and uh, and just the work you do, and uh, excited to to look at what it means to be a coach and a leader, uh, but more importantly, to do that through a lens that glorifies God. And uh, so, really, really excited to be to be on this podcast with you today. I'm pumped. I'm pumped to be here. So let's talk about it. You um. You're an AD, athletic director, you're head coach, you own and run AAU program. But where did it all begin for Nate? How did you fall in love with playing sports? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I never really thought of doing anything else. Um, you know, ever since being a, a little kid, I'm sure I was on the little tykes hoop, hoop as like a one or two year old. Um, my dad was a coach. Uh, he grew up with five brothers. So, uh, sports were a big part of their life sports. My mom played volleyball at, at UND and Grand Forks and, uh, and then did some Juco stuff. Um, so sports were just a big part of our family coaches everywhere, um, athletes everywhere. And so, um, you know, eventually, uh, kind of came to track and football and basketball, and basketball had always just kind of had a special place in my heart, which is weird because I grew up in in Frazee, Minnesota, and uh, a lot of people know of Frazee for our turkey farms and then our our wrestling. And uh, 
So being a basketball player in Frazee is a pretty uncommon thing, but uh, just always love the game. So I love that. Um, as uh, I think I told you, I have a, a two and a three-year-old boy. So mm. we got two little hoops in the basement. We got two more in the backyard. Mm-hmm. They can go uh, full court. And uh, I just, I love, love the beginning. So at what point do you kind of get really, get more serious and really focus going into high school on these sports? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's, I'm just going to go back to what you just said, but one of my uh, favorite parts that we left out in the introduction. I didn't leave it to you, um, give that information to you, but uh, I'm also coaching my second grade daughter's basketball team uh, this this winter, and that is a riot. It's so fun to see that beginning stage uh, of the kids and, and teaching them the game at that age. And uh, coaching girls, they like, they do exactly what you tell them to do. They soak up everything. Um, so that, so that's been really fun, but, um, like with, with sports and, you know, I kind of look at it through, through two different lenses. I've got my, my AD lens and then I've got my basketball coach lens. And and I think being a coach helps me to be a better AD as well, because I can relate to what our coaches are going through, you know, the stresses on family, uh, the daily impact that you're making on kids' lives, um, you know, the organization, the communication, all those pieces. So um, I'm a pretty intense guy and pretty passionate guy. And um, I'm thankful that God's wired me that way. You know, do all things for the glory of God definitely resonates with me. I I don't go halfway with stuff that I'm doing. I go 100%. So I'd say I'm always fired up (laughs) about sports and um, and especially this time of year, you know, basketball's just got a special place in my heart. And we started our our freshman tryouts on Monday. So we're, uh, we're rocking and rolling. I love it. I love it. So tell us, you know, you played these three sports in high school, mm-hmm. bring us into your world a little bit and kind of what that was like and then how you begin to make a college decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess like organized basketball kind of started for me when I was a second grader. Um, my, both my my grandparents were, both my grandpas were coaches um, for multiple sports. My grandpa um, got inducted into our, our hometown's Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, and he was baseball, basketball, volleyball. He did it all. Um and so uh, he, he always wanted me to be a baseball player. And I tried that for a little bit and realized pretty quickly baseball's not as fun if you can't hit the ball. And so um, so eventually uh, running was always something that I was I was pretty good at. And um, so started track when I got to middle school, um, but played football, played basketball. I mean, since I was a young, young kid. Um, but grew up in Frazee and, and like I said, it's a wrestling powerhouse there. And so, um, I was one of the few basketball players in our town. Um, we were pretty bad. Um, we didn't have a rich history of basketball for quite a while. 
Um, but, I, but I just love the game and I love being with my buddies and playing. Um, but, uh, yeah, grew up doing that. Um, eventually, uh, my senior year, you know, when you're starting to look at college decisions, um, I, I had some D one opportunities for track, um, some D two offers for football. Um, and then a, a lot of D three schools in our area were talking to me for hoops and, um, and I just knew I wanted to play basketball. It's always been what's been a passion of mine. Um, I, I knew I wanted to be a coach at some point in my life. Um, so wanted to continue with that and continue learning and growing with that. And, um, and I didn't grow up a believer. Um, you know, I, I went to church on Christmas and Easter and, you know, every Sunday, every so often, um, but somehow just in God's sovereignty, he led me to the university of Northwestern in St. Paul. And, you know, I, I went to church just enough to have a, to have a church reference that got me in the school. And, um, you know, I, I just went there and, and everything that I thought that I loved about the place, um, had to do with basketball, but just realizing later on and growing in my spiritual journey, um, seeing how God just uniquely wired things and, and work things together to bring me there to, um, you know, to find my future wife and ultimately to, to come to Christ and, and have a personal relationship with him. So, um, so I went to Northwestern and, uh, I was in the military, uh, at the time I, I did six years in the army national guard. And so, um, was playing hoops at the same time I was doing my training and things like that and, um, played basketball for a couple of years and then, um, realized that my, my talents probably weren't good enough to play. And so then I started my, my coaching journey after that. Cool. Wow. Uh, a lot to unpack there. Um, but if, if I'm thinking about, you know, the high school student listening, and your players, um, it it seems like, especially now with social media, it's even enhanced that like every athlete's dream is to go D1, right? Everyone wants to post their picture and say, I'm committed to here or there or do the hat thing mm-hmm. and, and pick the hat. So the fact that you kind of had some D1 opportunities, but you knew in your in your heart that you wanted to play basketball. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything more there, because I'm thinking that takes a certain mm-hmm. level of self-awareness and humility and to the young people. I feel like an application is really what do you love, not what looks great on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I get to work with this a lot because um, we have a lot of of athletes here at Legacy who you know are, are good enough to play college sports um, and are going through that process. And then obviously, you know, owning a an AAU program. Um, most of the kids that are playing, you know, competitive AU want to play at the next level. And so, um, 
we have really good opportunities here in Minnesota. You know, we've got a variety of, of D3, D2, and now a couple D1 schools uh, in the Metro. And so I, I just tell our kids like go to an open gym or go to a game and see what it looks like. And, you know, you're going to find out really quick that the college level, regardless of, of class is a whole is a huge step up from high school. And so you can see, you know, as long as you have some sort of self-awareness, you're going to be able to see uh, how you can fit in, in that program. And, and then just the rigor of the schedule, um, you know, we, we take things really seriously with hoops here at, at legacy where we're doing, you know, off season workouts. Um, we're lifting a lot making sure we're on top of grades and going to class and all those things. And that's just enhanced to an even more extreme level uh, when you get to college. And so if you don't love what you're doing and you're <clears throat> in a seven month, eight month basketball season and you're not playing, um, you know, you're, you're, you're tired, you're sore, you're hungry, you're all of those things. Like you really have to love the game to be doing it. And so, I think kids find out pretty quick when they get to college that um, that if they don't love it, uh, then they're, they're just not going to put in the work that it takes to to be someone that makes an impact on their team. And so um, you, you really have to be dedicated to to all aspects of your health, of of your game. Um, and you have to find the right fit to uh, to really be the best that you can be at the next level. Yeah. Yeah, when you're when you're tired and sore and you have to travel to this away game, mm-hmm. your your cool Instagram posts won't <laughs> not gonna <laughs> carry you through. So yeah. yeah. I think that's a good word like what do you love? Where where do you actually wanna be? Mm-hmm. You know, do you wanna be a would you rather be a top eight player on a D3 team or, you know, a red shirt and then a bench player on a D2 team? And it's like, yeah, I think that is really good stuff for young guys and girls to think about as they think about, like, what what do I, where do I want to end up? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to speak to to um this military experience. Sure, what you have to say there, and yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that was that that was a big thing in our hometown. A lot of my classmates joined the military, and whether it was the the Air Force or the Army or Marines, um, we had quite a few kids join, and for me, um, you know, I, I knew I had some growing up to do. Like I said, I wasn't a believer and, you know, it was pretty selfish and, um, you know, all those things that we can be when we're high school kids, we, we kind of, the world revolves around us rather than us making an impact on the world. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to, um, you know, to kind of follow a family history and, um, and do some things that my friends were doing. And, and so decided to, to join the army national guard. And, 
uh, I, I learned really, really, really quick that the world doesn't revolve around me. And I learned a whole nother level of discipline, um, of humility. And so I, I really appreciated my experience in the Army National Guard. And it was a big, a big part of it developing me into who I am now and ultimately kind of paved the way for, uh, for me to, to, to be a follower of Christ. So, um, wow. so really appreciate that, that experience. Yeah. You didn't want to be a Navy SEAL or what? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't, I knew, you know, I, I had some big dreams as a young guy and I, I, for as immature as I was, I, I had some sense of, you know, I wanted to be a, a husband and I wanted to be a father. Um, mm. I, I wanted to get into my coaching journey. Um, I started out as a teacher and so I was ready to, to kind of start my career path and my family path. And, um, and so I, I actually met my wife pretty early on in my, my freshman year of college. We didn't get married until four years later, but, um, you know, I, I just knew that my, my trajectory of my life wasn't going to be in the military. It was going to be doing these other things. And, um, you know, being deployed for 12 to 18 months, that takes a huge toll on, on your family. And I, I just wanted to be there for my wife to be there for the kids that were to come. And so, um, uh, my intensity didn't bring me to that Navy SEAL level. Um, you know, I had some, I changed my, my MOS from some more like science-based stuff to infantry. So I kind of took out my, my intensity there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, didn't, didn't get to the Navy SEAL level. So I don't know if I could have, even if I tried, but, um, but it, it was, yeah, you 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 have a lot that you do and and you've said you're an intense guy. You know, I can see you have a lot of good ambition. So mm-hmm. it's just like maybe you know, you you hear about what it actually takes to be a Navy SEAL and mm-hmm. it's not a lot of people make it, but yeah, yeah. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, so, God brought me here. So this is what I was supposed to be. Yeah. You um you came to a point in college where you said, I'm not really gonna play anymore. I want to be a coach. Can you say more about what that process was like and then talk to us a little bit about your coaching journey, mm-hmm. why why you coach and what it means to you to be a coach. Hey, 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 if you are enjoying this podcast, I need you to do two things. One, go on whatever platform that you're on and follow the podcast. Rate us and review us. This will help the algorithm and help this podcast reach more people. So thank you. Then I want you to head to 1020words.com slash D-Y-A, T-E-N-2-0 words.com slash D-Y-A. Check out our merchandise. We got hoodies, crew necks, sweatshorts, t-shirts, anything that you would want. 
get some super comfy stylish apparel and use code all caps DYA20 and take 20% off. Follow us on social media, Instagram at Dear Young Athlete or on TikTok and Instagram. My account is at 1020Words. If you're interested in being on the podcast or bringing Dear Young Athlete to your school, team, or group, simply head to the website and click the button that says bring DYA to your team, school, or group and send me an email and I will look forward to connecting with you. Now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, that, that's been, you know, a what, how many year journey, like 10 year journey. Um, so there's been a ton of maturing through that process. But um, what, even even just growing up, I, I remember my freshman year of, of high school, uh, my mom and then one of our, our friends, um, she brought me and one of my high school buddies to the, the Minnesota State Tournament for basketball. And um, just being in Frazee, like I, I knew I was never going to play in a state tournament. Like that was just so unrealistic for us and where we were at. Um, but I, I wanted desperately to, to coach in, in a state tournament. And so, um, I had awesome mentors growing up. Uh, my, my uncle is Scott Bergman and, and he's a, a Christ following coach, hall of fame coach at, um, Sox center. He coaches their, their girls basketball team, uh, an awesome dude, um, has won, you know, a ton of games. I think he's pretty close to 500 now. And then, uh, and then my other mentor was Dave Cressup, who was uh, over 600 wins at Purim. Um, and uh, and now he's coaching in Fergus Falls. And so just seeing the excellence that they coached at and the way that they took really bad programs to, you know, just incredible programs year after year after year. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to find a program where I could build it and I could make it into a program that was, you know, maybe didn't have a good history, um, like, you know, kind of like what I grew up in and then, um, turn it into something special. So, um, I, I remember my sophomore year, like my freshman year, I played JV for Northwestern and, um, you know, my class was a really good class. Um, we had six, uh, six at the time when we were freshmen that were, you know, either starting or in the rotation and um and you just kind of see the guys that are brought in and where you're at compared to them and you know i i just was not going to be good enough to play and so i kind of thought like here's an opportunity for me to spend you know six to to nine months developing myself as a coach um where i you know could have spent that you know, trying to play and work my way into a rotation at some point. But my ultimate dream was, was to be a coach and, you know, I wasn't going to play professionally or anything. So just made the decision to, um, to stop playing and, and start that journey. And actually the, the head coach, Tim Groves at Northwestern helped me to get my first coaching job. I, I coached in Moundsview for one of their travel teams and, um, and that was an awesome experience. So um, from that, 
Um, I started as uh, as the boys basketball director for Crossfire U Sports. Um, they had they they weren't really a boys basketball program yet. They had one team playing under their name, and so my job was to build it into a, a program. Um, they, they've been really good volleyball program and and girls basketball started and um, they wanted to build that boys basketball. So took that, um, went from one team to six and then eventually to 11 the next year. Um, and so just kind of built that program up, um, switched from coaching at Moundsview to coaching, um, at Northwestern on the women's staff. I was an assistant there for, uh, coach Aaron call, um, did that for, uh, for four years, four, maybe five years. Um, and then, you know, all throughout that I'm a teacher, I'm starting to have kids, um, and aiming for this goal of being an athletic director and then a head coach of a high school team. And so, um, now I'm in year six of, of AD and boys basketball coach at legacy. And, um, you know, and that's where everything kind of started. And so to answer your question about, um, you know, why do I coach and um, what it means to me, a really good process that, that I started my first year as, as AD is developing a, a purpose statement. And, um, you know, there, there's two different types of coaches and we're all one of them. We're either a transactional coach, which is, I would say a ma- majority of coaches are transactional. Um, you know, we're, we're coaching to get something from it and get something out of it for ourselves rather than using it as an opportunity to transform lives. And so um, you can either be a transactional coach or a transformational coach. And so, um, so I developed this purpose statement where I lead to help others passionately pursue their best self, commit to character and to provide a sense of belonging in a Christ centered environment. And, um, and I read that every day, so that I know why I go to practice. I know why I go to work. It's for those three things and to do it with a passion and intensity, um, kind of like what I have, um, where we're seeking every day, not just to do basketball or volleyball or whatever it is, um, but to, to transform lives. So, um, so that, that purpose statement formation was huge for, um, just my, my trajectory as a coach and, um, and being the type of coach that, that Christ calls us to be. Yeah. Wow. I mean, one thing that is apparent in your whole story is, um, you have a lot going on. You're a busy man. And so it's like in high school is three sports and then it was playing and then it was coaching and starting a program and to be an AD and a head coach and to have five kids mm-hmm. yeah. and a, a, a AAU. Um, I think it's admirable. And I think there are two things that really stuck out to me as you were talking and one, I probably say this on every episode, but it is such a theme. Your coach 
helped you get your first coaching job. Mm-hmm. My first coaching job <laughs> was um, given to me by my high school football coach. And I would tell the young listener over and over and over again, who you are and now is is super important. How you carry yourself, even as a high schooler, a middle schooler, is going to impact what you do in the future mm-hmm. and what people want to vouch for you and give you opportunities. Um, the other part is um, you kind of had this goal in mind. Like you knew you wanted to coach and then you you thought of being an AD, being a coach, building a program, not just, oh, I want to inherit Alabama football. And, yeah. you know, like I I think that speaks to like the good the goodness of kind of having a dream and having a vision for your your life and uh it's not that it's gonna go perfectly how you envision but you can you can kind of stay on this path of knowing where you want to go because if you just get in the car and you don't have a destination you're just gonna waste gas and make a bunch of so i would say like man what i'm hearing for young people is like get a a vision for your life begin to have a dream who do you want to be what kind of person do you want to be do you want to be a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad do you want to be a leader do you want to make an impact and then what steps do you take all along this journey? Um, I I think that would really help people. Like you said, you see your why statement and you know why you go to practice. And that's a great word for anyone to understand why you're doing it mm-hmm. and then have that motivation to, to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, you know, j- just the way that careers work now, it's not, you know, it's not your degree. It's not where you went to college, uh, you know, those things, it's really relationships. And so if you are the type of person that can value every relationship and, you know, some of those relationships just naturally look different, you're not going to be best friends with everyone or, you know, um, you might not be hanging out with all these people all the time, but you can still treat them as a child of God and you can still value um, the relationship regardless of if it's the best friend or just an acquaintance or, or whatever. And so the way that we treat people really matters. And, you know, I was fortunate, like I said, I, I had a lot of immaturity um, as a young man. And, um, but I see that as a dad too, like, you really teach and lead to the heart of the kid and you see the heart of the kid and you try and focus on that rather than um, their response to things. You know, if, if there's a breakdown or something like that, like, like what's hurting their heart or what's, 
um, if they make a decision, like what's in their heart for that decision. And they might not have chosen the right path, but you can still see, um, you can still see their, their heart behind it. And so, um, that, that's just something that, you know, my dad did a really good job at leading me in. Um, and then, uh, and then just having a direction, um, you know, God doesn't scream at us all the time. Sometimes there's a scream and you gotta, you gotta listen to that. Cause it doesn't come, uh, it doesn't come often, but, um, we have these desires in our heart that come from him. And, um, and, and so you just kind of recognize that and then, um, and then just search through, um, meditation or, or, um, I, I should say like a prayerful meditation or, um, reading the word or talking to, to Christ following people with wisdom and, and getting direction on what does that mean for me and my life and my trajectory and, um, and just taking advantage of, of those opportunities when they come. Hmm. That's, that's a good word. And I think a good transition uh, for you to unpack a little more about your spiritual journey, kind of how you, what what took you from being this this kid who was a Christmas Easter churchgoer to wanting to be a man of God and and a Christ like coach, uh, husband, father, leader. What happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. I, I mean, growing up, like I, I, you know, the things that were important to me were things that are pretty typical of high school kids: popularity, friends, girls, um, athletics. You know, all, all that stuff, and that was where my focus was. And um, you know, how, how do I look? Uh, how do I, who are my buddies? You know, what are my, what's my stat line? What are my offers coming from? Um, and, uh, you know, just got to this point where I'm doing this college decision and, um, I had a pretty, um, I don't know necessarily like if it was God speaking to me because I wasn't a follower of him at that time, but maybe it was God, um, you know, just using his sovereignty to get me to where I was supposed to be. But I was, I was visiting this school in Tennessee, um, you know, was, was committed there, um, on my official visit and, uh, and on my return flight home, my flight, I, I was late for my flight. And so, um, the next flight I could get to Minnesota wasn't for like three more days. And, so I, I hung out in in Memphis for uh, for three more days and just realized there, like I just got this feeling like this isn't where I'm supposed to be. I I, I don't want to be this far from home. Um, I I want my family to be able to watch me play. Um, you know, just it just isn't the right fit. And so I was in the car at the time and. Um, you know, Northwestern had always been a school I was talking to. I, I was still talking to schools for football, still talking to schools for track. Um, and I just, I just maintained this relationship with Northwestern, even though they were kind of at like, you know, if I were to have my top three, they were always at number three. And, um, 
and I just got this feeling in the car, like this isn't where you're supposed to be. You're going to call Northwestern today and then commit to there today. And that's where you're going to go to school. And so, so that's what I did. And, um, and I, you know, I, that was all focused on, on basketball, you know, some of it was, was location to home, you know, some of those things, but it was a mainly a basketball focus. And, um, and I got to Northwestern on, on orientation week and met these just awesome dudes that, you know, like, these are my, these are my people. These are my friends. Um, they brought me to Vespers at Bethel, which is like a time of worship. Um, I went to this time of worship and man, like that was like God just capturing my heart. Like I, I was singing and worshiping and I have a terrible voice. So it's not like I was just, you know, belting out these, these songs of praise in this beautiful way to God. But um, I just broke down and it was like, I'm a pretty emotional guy. Um, you know, that that's part of my intensity and, um, and passion that comes, uh, you know, that God just gave me. And, um, and I just completely broke down and realized that, um, I wasn't living a life honorable to God. I wasn't the man that God called me to be. I wasn't following him, even though, you know, I was, uh, I was going to church every once in a while and I was just, you know, not a, not a bad person. I, I, you know, wasn't doing these awful things, but, um, but I wasn't the man that God called me to be in. So, um, he captured my heart and I gave my life to him, um, that night and then just started this journey of maturity in my relationship with him. And, you know, still, still struggled and had sins that, um, that were, you know, making me do bad decisions or leading me, I guess, to bad decisions. And, um, and so there was this maturity through that process. And then I met my, my future wife and she, she says her story's boring, but I think what a blessing to, to always have been a follower of Christ and to have family who is all dedicated followers of Christ, regardless of their age or, um, their journey. And so I met her and I was like, man, this is, I'm marrying this girl, like for sure. And, um, and I need to be worth, um, her marrying me and, Mm -hmm. um, I need to lead her like Christ leads the church. And so, um, so then my intensity and took me to, to being a a God, God following Christ honoring man. And, um, and so that's where it kicked off. And then, um, with coaching, I read a book by Todd Gongwer. It's called lead for God's sake. And, um, and that's a book, it's a parable, um, about leading with purpose. And this coach goes through this transactional process for his whole life. You know, they have success and then they're not. And he's realizing that he's not the man he wants to be. He's not leading the way he should. And he, he finds, um, I, I think it's a janitor, um, that, that, leads him to, um, developing this purpose, this why, and, you know, and then what do you know, you start leading the way that God calls you to lead and then success finds itself. And so, um, and so, uh, so that, that's, that book had a really big impact on my life. And then, you know, j- just our, our daily disciplines, right. Like going to church, um, 
and having that community at a church, uh, reading scripture and letting scripture um, give us wisdom, spending time in prayer to seek what Christ is calling us to do and who to be. And, um, and then just having that daily relationship with him. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think how many, how many people, you know, may grow up with some kind of church experience, but the difference being it when when you don't have a relationship with God, it's like, okay, I think I should, you know, be nice and not do drugs and stuff like that. But then it's not very joy. It's not a joy. Mm-hmm. It's just like you're you're trying to be good but not not being um fulfilled but that only can get you so far because eventually you may realize hey some of this bad stuff feels good or it's fun or whatever but when you have a relationship with the the living God and that becomes your source of who you are and why you're alive, like that's a game changer because then you actually can have joy and have purpose. Yeah. And that's my big thing. I probably say on every episode is like, we're, we're not asking you to become a a churchy person and talk a certain way and dress a certain way and be a priest or whatever, but it's it's just changing your your heart and your why, and when you know God, it's gonna change the way you do stuff, but you can still be you mm-hmm. and and know God and, and love God. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, you know, you, you said uh, some of this sin feels good in the moment. And, you know, there's a reason that, that scripture says what it says. And because God knows what fulfills us and he knows what causes harm in our lives. And something that might feel good for five minutes. Um, you, you realize later the damage that that has on, on who you are as a person or your relationships with your wife or your kids. Um, that pain comes out later. And uh, I can speak from a ton of experience that none of those, you know, short term, um, you know, things that feel good uh, are worth the joy that comes from being who, who God calls us to be in his word. And, um, and the things that, you know, we, we've made it to a state tournament at legacy. We've won 20 games the last five years. We've um, made it to the section finals the last five years. And um, this moment of making it to the state tournament didn't feel the way that I thought it would feel, but leading kids to Christ felt better 
than anything I could have ever imagined. And so, um, you know, God knows that. And that's why he says it in his word is because um, he knows that ultimately what's going to fulfill us is our relationship with him and leading others to have a relationship with him. Mm. And God, God's got good things for you. Mm. You know, like God created fun and God created pleasure and God created um good good food and friendships and God's got great enjoyable things for you when you do it his way mm-hmm. when you do it his way you'll you'll get more joy and less pain regret um yeah, I think like you said, it's 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 not it's not worth it to have a, a temporary good feeling at the expense of mm-hmm. what comes yeah. along with it. Yeah, amen to that. And so do you wanna speak at all more to kind of how your faith is impacting you now and and the way you you live life hey are you a high school or college athlete looking to use social media to share your faith in christ if so i would love to personally connect with you and tell you about our brand ambassador program where we can get you hooked up with some of our merchandise to rep on your social media platforms and we can get you hooked up with the coupon code for your audience where you earn commission on any sales that come from your platform. Head to our website and click the button that says become a brand ambassador. I look forward to connecting with you and let's spread the good news together and do it in style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, it's just part when you become a follower of Christ, that's who you are. Um, you are, you are a Christ follower. And I do that as an athletic director and as a dad and as a husband. Um, but, but that Christ comes first and, you know, you, you can be a husband or a dad or a coach or an AD, um, but not be a Christ follower. Like there, there's millions of, of those billions of those, um, around the world. And, um, and you're just ultimately not going to be the best that you can be if you're not doing that, um, as a, as a Christ following person. And so, um, so I just look through everything I do with that lens. And, um, like I talked about, um, you know, the feelings of, um, of fulfillment, rep like a state tournament fulfillment compared to a leading someone to Christ fulfillment. Um, something that I'll, I'll never, I'll never forget, but, um, my interview process for my role at legacy was a pretty intense and extensive process, which I appreciated. Um, and in the interview, one of the questions our head of school asked me is, um, if a, player if a a young man um was asking you what it looked like 
to follow Christ and to become a follower of Christ, what would you do? And, you know, I, I said the things like I'd talk to them about um, what Christ did for us. And I'd, you know, I'd talk to them about these things that, that they need to do to, to become a follower of Christ. And I just left it at that. And, you know, I, I, I even said, I think I'd tell them to go home to their parents and, you know, um, to have this conversation with them. But I left out like actually bringing them to Christ, to praying the prayer of God being the leader of their life. And that that's something that God just put on my heart. And he didn't let me forget my response to that. And then two years later, um, we have this player who transferred from uh, a public school in the area to legacy and you know, because he wanted the same thing. Like he knew that his life was about something more and he wanted to not just be a basketball player, but um, to play for a bigger purpose, but he wasn't, he wasn't a believer at the moment. And, you know, after a game um, I get this text from him and he says, Hey, can we talk? And I'm just like, as a coach, after a game, you're like, Oh man, did I not play him enough? Did I say something to him that, that rubbed him the wrong way? Um, you know, w- what did I do as a coach to, to mess, to mess stuff up? And, um, and so I gave him a call. I was, I was on my ride home and, um, gave him a call and I was just like, Hey, what's up? And, uh, he, he just said like, I'm not being fulfilled, um, with basketball. Basketball has been the biggest part of my life for as long as I can remember, um, and I'm not being fulfilled. And so I, I talked to him, I was like, you know, why are you playing? And it, it was all the things, um, you know, like I would say when I was in high school as, as a non-Christ following person. And, and I asked him, have, have you, like, I, he just kept saying this stuff about purpose, about purpose, about purpose. And I eventually I just asked him, like, have you committed your life to Christ? And he said, no, I'm not good enough. I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not who I should be to give my life to Christ. And I said, like, Christ doesn't ask him to come to him as this perfect person. He asks for us to come to a, um, come to him as who we are. And then that daily relationship with him will lead us to who he calls us to be. And it's not mm. us that's going to transform our heart or our lives. It's him. And, um, and I remembered that interview and I remembered the, the hurt that it, that I felt for not like, even though it was an interview, it wasn't a real moment. It left this hurt in my heart that like, I, if someone is, is wanting this relationship with the savior of the world, the creator of the world, I need to do my part in that moment and be a part of that journey by praying that prayer with them. And so Mm. that's what we did. And, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm on my drive home. I'm on the phone with this high school junior, um, 16, 17 year old kid, and he comes to Christ and, um, man, I, uh, I said, I'm an emotional guy. And this story always makes me an emotional guy. Um, yeah, but, um, but he gave his life to Christ that day and he was transformed ever since. And, 
Oh. You know, he graduated a while ago. Um, we still keep in touch, touch a lot. Um, you know, and, and he's, he's, he's following Christ. And so, um, coaches, we have this, this power and, and not power. Sorry. We have this opportunity to lead kids to Christ and yeah. don't miss it. Um, because it is the most fulfilling thing that we can do is to fulfill the great commission. And so, um, so take this role and responsibility seriously and, um, and lead these kids to know and love Jesus. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, that story is amazing. And what's cool is I think coaches do have this amazing platform and we all have some platform Mm -hmm. and some opportunity, right? Um, if you're a player, you know, you have teammates and you have people in your school or in your family or, yeah, maybe go to Legacy and it's a Christian school, but not everyone may know Christ or maybe you play AAU basketball on a different team and you have 10 teammates that don't know Christ and, yeah. uh, Yeah, I mean, that's what life really is all about. Mm -hmm. Um, And I appreciate you sharing that. And I think it is a a perfect transition. Because when I started this podcast, uh, I said, growing up, I thought life was all about sports. But I know now that sports are all about life. And in sports, we have so many lessons that we learn, but the whole point of them is to break in and impact our our actual lives outside of sports. And so there are many, of course, but if you could pick like your top kind of lesson that you've seen flow from sports into your life what would that be yeah um i'm i'm super blessed to be at a school like legacy where we're um we lead christ-centered athletics and um so i just know as a as a teacher and a coach like there's two different kind of um perspectives like there's schools like ours where you can openly discuss your faith. And then if you're in a public school or a charter school, you have to do that in a different way. Um, uh, so, so I'll kind of touch base on both because I I've lived in both worlds, but, um, for schools like ours, where we're leading Christ-centered athletics, um, sports are a vehicle for discipleship and, um, and we fulfill the great commission, um, in whatever role we have at the school, whether we're a teacher or a coach or a player um, or a student. And there's this realm of discipleship from teacher to student. And then there's this realm of discipleship for uh, student to student. And so it's us as leaders teaching our kids how to be a disciple of Christ to their peers um, or eventually to their families. So, um, so, Athletics is just a vehicle for that. And, 
And so at Legacy, like sports are this extension of the school day where kids get to put into practice what they're doing in the school day, what they're learning in the school day. You get to put that into practice in a game. And now you're front and center of everyone. Everyone's eyes are on you. Um, you're tested with adversity. Your people are watching your reactions. People are watching how you um, how you resonate and relate to others um, in a competitive environment. And so we get to see where your heart is, and we get to see these opportunities for discipleship. And it's just leading kids. Um, to take advantage of those opportunities in the moment, um, kind of like that, that, that phone call on the ride home. Um, mm-hmm. but then you have this other world for public schools or charter schools where you can be a Christian coach, but you can't openly talk about it and you have to find unique ways to do that. Um, and I would say to, you can still be values-based and purpose-based as a Christian coach in a public school setting. And, um, and so make sure you, you are the coach that's not transactional, but you're transformational and you're transforming lives and your those values are values that come from the word. Um, but, you know, just speaking to those in a vehicle in a way, um, that, that lets you keep your job and make sure that you still have the opportunity to, to impact lives um, and, and maybe eventually lead them to Christ through conversations that come up. And so, um, for those coaches, learn to lead from your purpose, um, and, and with the athlete's heart at the front of your mind. And eventually, God's going to use that relationship and those moments and those values to bring that kid to Him. Hmm. And and I'm believing that. Some of your players are going to be listening to this, and I'm believing there are going to be some future coaches that are listening to this and um, and learning about. I mean, I've met now all these shirts behind me. Mm-hmm. You know, twenty some coaches who some are in public. Some are in uh, private schools, some are in colleges, but they're leading with purpose and with values and making an impact. And uh, I'm thinking of the football coach at Bethel, Coach Jay, uh, who is retiring this year. And so we're, we're, people are giving him his flowers, you know, like, and talking about the impact he's had. But I've I've had maybe five coaches on this podcast who played for Coach Jay and now are leading programs and leading purpose-driven programs because of their faith and impacting hundreds of of young people and I'm believing this conversation is going to be impactful. And some of you listeners, you are the next generation of of coaches and leaders who are going to have purpose and have value and lead people to Christ. So maybe that's a prophetic word. I don't know, but 
I'm uh I just felt that as you were you were talking. And as we come to a close, you're here, you're on the Dear Young Athlete podcast. So as with every episode, we need you to complete the statement. Dear young athlete, what do you want to say to your players and to a younger Nate? Hmm. Yeah, I, I would say, dear young athlete, you are a valued child of God. You have purpose, you have meaning, you have ambitions, and those ambitions come from Christ. And he's going to use those desires of your heart um, to lead and to lead others to him and to take advantage of opportunities and to do that um, in a way with the ultimate purpose of leading people to Christ and to, to knowing Christ and loving Christ um, more and more every day. Amen. Amen. Nate, it's, it's been an honor to hear your story. It's been a pleasure for me, um, do you have any last words for the people? Uh, keep keep rolling. This is an awesome time of year. Uh, maybe some kids are just ending their season or maybe they're starting their season. And, um, and, and you always end the year with this thought of what you, could you have done differently to, to have maybe a different result. And so um, use that uh, to motivate you and to discipline you and to to doing um, the things that it takes to become a better teammate, to become a better player, uh, to help lead your program um, to hopefully more success and, um, and then just a rich culture of, of friendship and love and joy uh, of sports. And so uh, keep rolling, keep it up. And, uh, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Of course. Thank you. And uh, that's a good word to end on. Peace. Later. And there you have it. One more episode in the books of the Dear Young Athlete podcast. Thank you for listening. Again, check out our website, our social media, rate and review us. Make sure you're following because we have some great episodes coming up that you won't want to miss. I'll see you in the next episode. Peace. Peace.